There are uh, many challenges that uh, we face in life. Uh, Parenting is one of them. Uh, Nothing can prepare us for what we will face uh, when we have been given the high honor and great responsibility uh, to raise a child. Uh, If you are here this morning and you are a parent, then you probably know what it's like to bring your son or daughter home from the hospital uh, that very first day and to look at them and think to yourself, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I had that experience before. Maybe you're here this morning and you have uh, entered into a relationship, or maybe you're here this morning and you are married. Uh, There probably has been a point in your life when you have sat down with your significant other and thought to yourself, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. I remember when Melissa and I got married, we went on our honeymoon, we moved from uh, Michigan to Dallas, Texas. We moved into this little apartment in Plano, Texas, and I remember uh, sitting at our dining room table. It was this old table that belonged to her grandfather. It it kind of moved a little bit when you sat down in the seats, like you weren't quite sure if it was going to hold you. I remember the very first time Melissa and I had a meal around that table, and I looked at her, and I remember thinking to myself, I have no idea how to be a husband. Like, I don't even know how to do this thing. Have you ever had that experience before? Maybe you've started a new job or uh, you started a new business and you thought to yourself, man, I don't don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure things out as I go. You see, I think in life a lot of times um, expectations are key. Right? Expectations are key. We want to know what we're getting ourselves into uh, before we make a decision. I think following Jesus is a whole lot like that. Have you ever thought to yourself what it was like when you, when you first began to follow Jesus? Can you think back to that time when you thought in your mind, hey, I have an idea of how this is going to play out. Like I have some certain expectations of what it's going to be like to follow after God. Maybe someone came alongside of you and they told you that God had a wonderful plan for your life and you thought to yourself, I'm in, right? I want to live out the wonderful plan that God has for my life. But you started living the Christian life and maybe you've had moments where you thought to yourself, is this, is this the wonderful life that God has planned for me. Maybe someone came alongside of you and said, Jesus is going to come into your life and he's going to fix everything. Uh, Jesus is going to be the great fixer and so all your relationships are are going to be better. Your marriage is going to be better. Your parenting is going to be better. Your finances are going to be better. God's going to fill your heart with joy and peace and you're going to experience that every day from now and forevermore. And then you live life and it seems like those experiences can kind of come and go. Right? There's, there's moments where you feel that, where you experience joy and peace and, and your relationships grow and improve. But then there's, there's other times in life when, quite frankly, it's just difficult and life is hard. And one of the things that I love about Scripture is that I think Scripture is open and honest about life in the real world. I think scripture prepares us to at least on some level know what to expect when it comes to following Jesus. And so this morning I want us to look together at a passage from the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6 that uh, paints a picture for us of what it uh, could like could look like to follow Christ. 
What we're going to find this morning is that at times following Christ means that some will fear you, uh, some may oppose you, uh, and in extreme situations, uh, some may try to kill you. (laughs) I know, when you say that, it doesn't sound like something you immediately want to sign up for. Um, However, uh, this is what the Christian life uh, could look like. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark uh, chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and I want to begin by looking at Mark chapter 6 and verse 14. Uh, This story takes place after Jesus has sent out his disciples to minister. Uh, We we talked a couple weeks ago about how God sent out his disciples two by two. He called them, he equipped them, and he sent them. And then later in chapter 6, we're going to read about uh, what takes place when the disciples uh, come back. But in between that sandwich of the disciples going and the disciples coming, we find for us this story about John the Baptist. It says in Mark chapter 6, verse 14, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. Uh, But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. So King Herod kind of enters our story, and we hear that uh, King Herod has heard about Jesus. He's heard about Jesus. Uh, There have been rumblings about the work of Jesus. It says in verse 14 that Jesus' name uh, had become known. And Herod is wrestling in his own soul to answer the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It's a question that many of us have been asking maybe our whole lives. Uh, Maybe you're here this morning with that question. You've heard stories about Jesus Other people have told you about Jesus, but you're not sure if you've bought in to the way of Jesus. You may remember that we said when we began walking through the Gospel of Mark that the first eight chapters in the Gospel of Mark are really answering that question, who is Jesus? The, The Gospel writer is painting a picture for us of the person and the work of Jesus and how it plays out as Jesus uh, ministers in places where uh, he goes. And so we read here that Herod is asking the same question uh, that people in that day asked about Jesus. Uh, And quite frankly, he's asking the same question uh, that many of us have been asking our whole lives. Herod basically believes that there are three possibilities. Jesus uh, could be John the Baptist raised from the dead. We're going to hear about that story in a moment. Uh, He could be the prophet Elijah, uh, or he could be another prophet like Old Testament prophets uh, who have come. We're going to read in this story about how things uh, quickly turn and and they get kind of weird. I I mean, you read this story and you're going, this is either kind of a twisted talk show Uh, gone wrong, or it is humanity uh, at our very worst. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse uh, 16 says, But when Herod heard of it, he said to John, whom I beheaded, uh, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, 
his brother Philip's wife because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So, man, if you're here this morning and you think your family had issues, <laughs> I mean, this is a doozy, right? Herod, right, marries his brother's wife. It was his stepbrother. Really, Herodias was his niece and his stepsister. Right? He saw her and basically said, I want her. Right? Now, in case you're wondering, <laughs> that's a no-no. <laughs> right? that's, that's out of bounds. That's not allowed. Right? Leviticus chapter 18 and 20 actually speaks specifically uh, to this issue. And we're told that this is against the Old uh, Testament law. And yet we see Herod at his very worst. Uh, he sees something or he sees someone that he wants, and so he pursues her and he marries her. Uh, one of the observations that we notice from Herod's life is that a seared conscience will take you to places you never thought you would go. Right? A seared conscience uh, will take you to places you never thought you would go. Uh, something like this typically uh, happens over time. It is a process. It means us making uh, small, seemingly insignificant, poor decisions. And, and we make a poor decision, and then another poor decision, and another poor decision, and then eventually we find ourselves in a situation or a scenario where we never thought we would be. I, I don't know what led to Herod's... Um, line of thought where he thought this was okay or he thought this was kosher, but we notice that Herod is making decisions that are twisted uh, and that are sinful. Um, oftentimes, the human heart is such that uh, what we want or what we desire, chase, we chase after. Uh, the author Emily Dickinson once wrote that the heart wants uh, what it wants or else it does not care. The heart wants what it wants or else it does not care. And we've heard that refrain uh, repeated uh, throughout time. When Woody Allen uh, left his wife Mia Farrow uh, and decided to pursue his 18-year-old stepdaughter, he was asked, in essence, what in the world are you thinking? And do you know what his reply was? His reply was, the heart wants what it wants. Perhaps uh, more recently, some of our students may be familiar with the Selena Gomez song, The Heart Wants What It Wants. Uh, the lyrics go, you might be right, but I don't care. There's a million reasons why I should give you up. But the heart wants what it wants. The human heart wants what it wants. And our desires, our longings, the things that we want, ultimately dictate the decisions that we make. Uh, certainly that was the case uh, in Herod's life, in his heart. And yet scripture time and time again warns against this. First uh, John chapter uh, 2 verses 15 through 17 read, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. 
For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So there's this picture that's painted for us. I see, and I want, and I have to have. Right? I see something, I want something, and I tell myself, I have to have something. Right? The human heart is seductive. Right? So Scripture calls us to guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. Pray prayers like, God, help me to want and to long for the things that you want. Because the human condition is such that we do not know ultimately what we are capable of. Right? We don't know that what we're capable of. We can read a story like this and we can think to ourselves, that would never happen to me. I mean, that's gross, right? There's, everything about that story is twisted. I would never do that. I would never chase after that. I would never go there. I would never want that. Uh, and yet, it is in those moments when we think to ourselves, it could never happen to me uh, that it happens to us, right? We are not wiser uh, than Solomon. We don't have more affection for God than uh, David did. We're not uh, stronger than Samson. We are human beings. We're flesh and blood. And so scripture uh, charges us to guard our hearts. John the Baptist uh, sees this story play out before him. Uh, he sees the decisions that Herod is making and how uh, Herod takes uh, his brother's wife to be his wife. Uh, and he speaks truth into the situation. Mark chapter 6 verse 18 says, For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. Uh, one of the things that we notice about uh, John the Baptist is that he had the courage to speak truth uh, even when it wasn't popular or well-received. Right? Have the courage to speak truth even when it is not popular or well-received. John was not awestruck uh, by Herod's power. Right? He was not in awe of the fact that he found himself in a position of political influence. Right? He did not bow his knee uh, before someone uh, who was well-regarded or uh, feared during that time. John the Baptist was not out uh, to win the crowd. Right? John the Baptist was more concerned with personal uh, holiness than he was uh, fearing people in high places. And so John the Baptist spoke into a situation when it wasn't popular and it wasn't welcomed. Uh, this would be the equivalent of someone coming alongside a politician or a president and looking at the way they operate and saying, uh, that way of life is sin. Right? The, the way that you are operating, the decisions that you are making, the, the choices that you are pursuing, uh, that is sin. Right, John the Baptist did that. He spoke into a situation uh, that would not have been uh, popular during the day. And it's so easy sometimes for us uh, to take a step back. It's so easy uh, for us to be silent. It's so easy for us uh, not, not to want to enter into the fray or the mess and speak truth when we should speak truth. 
it becomes all too easy for us to stand at a distance because we don't want to be seen as judgmental. We don't want someone going, oh, you, you just want to be the moral compass for the world. And so instead of speaking up and speaking truth, we don't say anything at all. And yet, there are times as Christians uh, when we are called to speak what is true. There are times when we should not be silent. And I think all too often we're tempted to be silent because we've seen this done poorly. Right? All of us have seen this done poorly, right? Like we don't, we don't want to be the guy who simply walks into a room and starts pointing out faults in everyone else. Right? We, don't ha- we don't want to be the morality police for the world. Right? We don't want to be the guy who, who just kind of comes in and has uh, that love language, look, words of affliction. Right? I'm, I'm just going to walk into a situation and I'm going to speak what's truth because they need to hear truth. Right? We've had experiences where maybe that's been done to us or maybe we've been, we, we've been so bold as to do it to others and it hasn't gone well. And so we, we back away from that. And I understand that. We are called to speak truth and love. We are are called to be winsome with our world. We're called to engage the place where God has uh, placed us. Uh, And yet, there are times when God uh, calls us uh, to say something, um, to to not hold back what is profitable uh, for others to hear. Um, to, to watch situations play out before our eyes and be heartbroken because of the destruction that decisions are having on people's lives and families. Like when we see decisions being made that are sinful, there should be something in us where our hearts are devastated and broken. The Apostle Paul, when uh, he ministered, he was someone who had humility uh, and yet great boldness. It says in Acts chapter 20, verse 18, um, Paul uh, is speaking and it says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Verse 20 says, How I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I did not uh, shrink back from declaring anything to you that was profitable. There there are times as we pursue authentic community as a people where we need to have the courage to speak truth into someone's life. People that we know and that we love and that we have relationships with, we should have the courage to come alongside of them and say, man, like brother, sister, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to point out something I see in your heart and in your life. Not to boast not so that we can stick out our chest and think that we are better than someone else, but so that we can live a life like Paul where we, we do not shrink back from admonishing brothers and sisters and speaking truth uh, into their lives when it needs uh, to be heard. John the Baptist did this uh, regardless of uh, what it cost him, and it did cost him. 
Right? It, it cost him. I mean, you can imagine the conversations that took place around the table with Herod and his wife. She, she didn't simply want to unfriend John the Baptist on Facebook. Right? She, she wanted his head. She hated him. She said, who is he uh, to tell us how to live? What business of his is it to come and say to us what we can and cannot do. And yet that did not stop John. Uh, it says at the end of verse 19, but, uh, but she uh, could not, Herod's wife could not kill John the Baptist, for Herod feared John, uh, knowing that he was a righteous and a holy man, and he, uh, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him Gladly, Herod feared John, knowing that he was a holy and a righteous man. Isn't that interesting to think about that relationship? Herodias wanted John the Baptist dead. Like, she hated him. She's like, get rid of him. And Herod is hearing her voice speak into his ear, I'm sure often, going, are you going to do something about this guy? Aren't you going to take care of this? But there was something about John the Baptist that even when he spoke, Herod at least paused. Right? Scripture says that Herod feared John the Baptist. There was something about his life and his message that was, at least on some level, compelling to Herod. But there was something about his message that maybe caused Herod to scratch his head a little bit and go, gosh, man, I don't, I don't agree with this guy. I don't like this guy. My wife hates this guy, but I can't stop listening to this guy. Right? I, I think there's something about the Christian life, about a, Jesus in us, the Spirit working in and through us, where, where we should live winsome lives, where, where people who come alongside and, and hear us speak and watch us operate may say, to our, may say to themselves, I don't like him. I don't like her. I don't believe what they believe. I think they are way off base, but boy, there's, there's just something compelling about the way they live their lives. I always laugh when I hear people talk about uh, Tim Tebow. <laughs> he, he seems to be such a polarizing figure out in the world. There's people that talk about him and go, man, I just wish that he would keep his mouth shut. I, I don't want to hear all this stuff about his faith. He always wants to talk about Jesus. But those same people in the same breath go, but boy, there's just something compelling about his, what he's doing for the kids is just amazing. I mean, it's just, he's just the nicest guy in the world. I mean, there's people that look at him going, I just wish that he would shut up. And those same people are like, but there sure is something compelling about what he's saying. And there's times when I, I hear stories like that, and I think, man, Lord, help, help us live compelling lives, like, like winsome lives, lives that people look at us and go, I... I don't think I'm in that camp. I don't know if I believe what they believe. I don't have the faith that they say they possess. But man, there's just something about them. There's something about them I just look at and I'm going, man, that's, that's interesting. And there's something about John the Baptist that caused Herod to scratch his head, that caused Herod to have a holy fear, that caused Herod to listen uh, to John the Baptist. Now, Herod uh, clearly uh, cared more uh, than just listening to John the Baptist, because when it came time to make a decision of listening uh, to John the Baptist or listening to his wife, uh, he chose to listen to 
uh, his wife, and it did not end well for John the Baptist. It says in verse 21 of Mark chapter 6, but an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. So you can, you can imagine this picture, right? Herod throws himself a birthday party, right? And he invites all the important people uh, to come, like all the political uh, figures, all the military figures, all the important folks. Say, hey, come, come to my party. And so they all uh, gather. And it says in verse 22, For when Herodias' daughter ca- uh, came in uh, and danced, she pleased Herod uh, and his guest. And the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. So things go south real quickly at this birthday party. Herodias' daughter is sent in. Uh, she dances before uh, Herod and the nobles and the military commanders. And the crowd is pleased. And the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. Verse 23, And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with, uh, with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and he beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. That's a a sad uh, ending to the story. A sad ending to the story. John the Baptist is killed. He's murdered. His head is placed on a platter and brought out uh, to appease Herodias and her daughter. A Herod consumed with saving face uh, takes John's head. In the Christian life, uh, some will oppose you, uh, some may fear you, uh, and some may try to kill you. Now, I say that, and I think to myself, I kind of get two out of three. I mean, maybe you've had experiences where people have opposed you. (laughs) They've opposed you. Uh, you to your face. They've said things about you or about your faith or about your relationship uh, with Christ. Maybe you've had uh, some experiences where you have, you have received some opposition from the crowds, right? And so you hear that and you go, yeah, I, I can see. I get that. I've experienced that. Maybe you've had experiences where people have feared you. There's been something about the message that you have preached or the message that you have lived out that has rubbed people the wrong way. Maybe some people even have come alongside of you and had somewhat of a holy fear when they're around you. But when you read, hey, some will try to kill you, uh, that's when the comparison ends. (laughs) The vast majority of us, uh, meaning I think all of us, 
have probably not had a situation in our lives when we've shared the gospel, when we've talked about Jesus, where someone has said, I want your head. That seems uh, very foreign uh, to us. It may seem very foreign to us, but I assure you, uh, it is not foreign around the world. Right? There are people in many places around the world that read this and go, oh, opposition, oh, I get that. Right? Fear, oh, I understand that. Fear of losing my life, yeah, I get that. There are places where this is a reality. We should be grateful um, that this uh, in our current climate is not our reality, but that does not mean that does not mean that times will not change. It does not mean that there will not be opportunities or situations where we face opposition. Right? At, at the core, at least on the basic level, uh, we must understand uh, as Christians that we uh, will face uh, danger, that there is a certain costliness uh, to following Jesus. Uh, there's a costliness to following Christ. Do you believe that that's true? Uh, do you believe that it costs us something to follow Jesus? You see, I think uh, more often than not, we operate under the assumption that if we follow Jesus, kind of if we're good boys and girls, if we uh, practice spiritual disciplines, if we say and do and think of the right thing, that more often than not, uh, things will go well for us. Right? If I say yes to God, then God is going to make my life work. He's going to make my, my, my relationships are going to improve. My parenting is going to improve. My finances are going to improve. My career is going to improve. And we operate with that assumption that if I'm faithful to the Lord, then everything or most everything uh, will go my way. Just yesterday, I was looking at uh, a Twitter feed, and I came across this tweet from pastor who is fairly well known in the states and this is what uh, he said he said god knows every person that's done you wrong every injustice every bad break he's going to pay you back you're going to come out fully compensated blessed vindicated and honored people will know that god has ruled in your favor Mm. you know what i thought of when i read that I thought of verse 27 of Mark chapter 6. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And he went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. Now how does, how does that, how does that uh, fit in with you being fully compensated, blessed, vindicated, and honored. People will know that God has ruled in your favor. And oh, by the way, here's John's head on a platter. I think people would look at that and go, I don't, I don't exactly see what God is doing in that moment. I mean, that the whole head on a platter thing, that does not seem like being vindicated or being blessed or being paid back. It seems costly. It seems costly. 
I look at a situation like that and I go, I don't, I don't know what God's doing there. I mean, you may have situations in your life when you, when you sign up to follow Jesus. God does a work in your heart and you're like, by faith, you're walking with him. And things go sideways. They just go sideways. Right? And sometimes it plays out and you look back and you go, oh, I see what God was doing. Man, I see his hand working. And then there's other times where you, man, it just feels like your head's on a platter and you're going, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what God's doing there. This is the Christian life. This is the Christian life. Listen, there are, there are times when, when God fixes things. There's, there's times when God makes relationships better and marriages better and parenting better and jobs better and finance. I'm not saying that God doesn't move and doesn't act and doesn't speak into those scenarios and situations. I'm not saying that God doesn't, doesn't bless his people. But listen, you, you, you better have space in your Christian walk to go, this is part of the Christian life too. Right? Hebrews chapter 11 tells lots of stories about people who lived lives of faith and did miraculous things, who shut the mouths of lions and put foreign armies to flight, and other people were sawn into. Right? And both lived lives of faith. Uh, John the Baptist lived a life of faith. And his life, by all accounts, was pretty spectacular. John the Baptist baptized uh, Jesus. He baptized Jesus. I mean, you drop that at a party in Galilee, you're a big deal. Right? Even if that's your only baptism for the year. Right? If you're like, I just have one, but it was Jesus. Like, you're a stud. He baptized Jesus. And God had his hand on his life from the womb. Right? He spent his days pointing people to Jesus. John the Baptist wasn't about, hey, follow my example. John the Baptist was, hey, there's one coming after me. I'm, I'm not worthy uh, to untie his sandal. Jesus uh, said of, of John uh, the Baptist, there was no one like him, like in all of creation. He was an amazing man. He was a godly man. But the thing that made him so amazing and so godly is that he just pointed people to Jesus. Like, like John the Baptist saw Jesus. Herod never saw him. Herod wanted to see Jesus. In fact, Herod came face to face with Jesus. A gospel account says when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for he had long desired to see him because he heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. Herod had heard about Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus do a miracle. He wanted to see Jesus do a great act. He wanted to be entertained by Jesus. So the gospel account says, so Herod questioned Jesus at some length, but Jesus made no answer. The chief priest and scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. Herod physically saw Jesus and was thoroughly unimpressed. 
thoroughly unimpressed. I think there are times when we see Jesus, where we come face to face with, with Jesus or stories about Jesus, and we may go, oh, hey, that's interesting. But that doesn't lead to faith. Now, John the Baptist saw Jesus. He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus for who he was. Behold, the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. John maintained his integrity, lost his head, but gained life. Herod uh, compromised his integrity, attempted to save face, and lost his soul. Man, Rand, don't, don't lose your soul. Don't lose your soul. Martin Luther King Jr. was once asked if he feared death. His response, it's not important how long you live. It's important how you live. And I pray that we as a people would live lives where we point other people to Jesus, where our eyes are open uh, to his beauty and we see him uh, for who he is. May God help us to do that. Would you pray with me? Scripture says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. God, I pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit uh, to live lives that speak. Give us courage. uh, Give us boldness. Uh, Give us strength and wisdom uh, to flee uh, temptations, to not sear our hearts to sin. Give us a radical courage, Lord, uh, to point people to your son, Jesus. God, we're so desperate for your help in that endeavor. We're just so human. We're distracted by lesser things. We're so apt to pursue a joy in places that can't be found. We're so distracted. We forget about what what really matters. And you really matter. God, we thank you that by your spirit, you've you've opened our eyes and you've helped us to see the, uh, the beauty of your son. Thank you for giving us the joy of uh, knowing you and being known by you. God, thank you for the truth that to have Jesus and nothing else uh, is to have everything. So we thank you uh, for everything. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.